No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. He follows the philosophy rooted in his tax experience of it's not what you make but what you keep and this focus on tax smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the madrona bundle of services you'll hear brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio from income to taxes and from growth opportunities to long-term security This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. We appreciate you joining us today. We have some valuable information for you during the coming hour that could change your financial life for the better. My name is Jeff Shade, and of course, I'm just here to ask the questions for you, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert, Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear it as always, Brian. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. It's a beautiful day. Of course, every day is great when we're on the radio. Looking forward to a, a fine rest of the spring and the warmer weather to come. I think this is probably one of the best places in the country when it comes to weather in the summertime. What do you think? Yeah, in the summertime, which starts, what, July 5th? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always tell the people I, I meet across the country that when they ask, well, doesn't it rain all the time up there? I said, what are you talking about? It only rains once a year. And they go, what? <laughs> you mean by that? Yeah, it starts in October and it ends in June. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, right. But uh, yeah, no, this, you know, one of the things I talk about in with financial planning with some of my more successful clients, financially successful clients, is they, they talk about having more than one place. Most people think about that if they're able. And one of the things we talk about is every everybody wants to be here. They want to be right. here for part of the year. There's not a better place anywhere that I'm aware of in the summer and in the fall, late spring even, than the Pacific Northwest. However, the rest of the year, not so much. So I do have a ton of clients talking about moving. They're moving to, you know, the traditional places like Arizona. Right. Not so much Palm Springs anymore because of the California address to that, but lots going to Idaho. Some Montana, Nevada, Texas is a big destination. Some in Florida. North Carolina, Tennessee, Hmm. those are the primary areas I have seen people consider a second residence or a permanent move. 
A lot of my discussions on permanent moves have to do with taxes, state income tax of other states, but then the estate tax and the new capital gains tax in the state of Washington is driving higher income people out of the state, literally driving them out. They don't think it's fair and want to be part of that. And so uh, people are, are going to move. I, I kind of chuckle. One, one person I was talking to, she said, well, I'm thinking about moving to Arizona, but they do have an income tax there, and we don't have specifically an income tax here, although we will have the capital gains right. tax. And she was ta- talking about moving, and but they don't have an estate tax like we do. And I said, oh, I'll tell you what, when you start feeling ill, make sure you move then. <laughs> so yeah. you get down to Arizona when you're ill and you pass away, then you made that your residence and you don't have any estate tax where you would in Washington. So yeah, lots of tax questions that I'm talking about, where people are living. The advice I'm giving used to be around stock market is more. Mm-hmm. Now it's more around where are we going to live and, and what are our taxation going to be and what does that look like? Yeah, I was going to say taxation, a big consideration when you were naming off those states. I was thinking of taxes right away. For those people who decide to move to a place like Arizona or some other state like that, but they want to enjoy the beautiful weather that we have here in the Northwest, maybe their dual residences, how does that affect their taxation? Yeah, dual residency is, makes it uh, kind of interesting because every state wants their taxes. And so some of them are uh, have an interstate compact agreements that tax you based upon where you spend the night, essentially, where right. your nights are spent. Some of it's taxed based upon where the property generating the income is, if it's real estate, and you pay it in the state that it's in, or where the business is, kind of thing. It starts getting a little cloudy, and it's getting cloudier now because states used to cooperate a lot more than some of them do now. But mm-hmm. now some states need money desperately for various reasons, including mismanagement, I would say. And California comes to the top of that list. They yeah. want to tax everybody in every state if they've ever thought the word California <laughs> or sang a song with California in the lyrics or flew over California. They want their money. So they're, they are all about taxing you. And the other states are going, wait a second here. They live here. They uh, Their businesses, their stuff is here. Yeah, but we they were here once, so we want it. You know, so they're they're trying to pass rules to circumvent the long-term agreement states have had with each other. Well, when we go to visit the kids in California, I'll be sure to not take my computer along, because I'm sure somebody is watching to see if you brought a computer into California. You're bound to be doing some sort of work, right? Make sure you don't have Beach Boys playing on your on your, uh, on your sound thing there, because I think they talk about California a lot. So yeah, uh, yeah. Just, and just say no to California. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we can't get the kids to move out of there just yet, but we are working on it. Brian, I know that you talk to clients every week. You've got so many people who ask you questions. And as you said, a lot of people ask about taxes. But give me an example of some of the things that people have been asking you about this week. Well, it's interesting because we were talking about our industry before we started today. And the industry is very broad. This is not a homogenous industry, the industry of financial advisory. You know, there's companies out there that tell you if you don't invest in the stock market with them, you're crazy and everybody else is terrible and you should hate everything other than their product. Or there's people that sell annuities and that's all they do. And Mm -hmm. so they push, push, push annuities. The visual is they are a great big hammer and we're all a bunch of nails. And they're... They see us, they want to pound on us until, you know, we're, we're in the ground of annuity. So I was thinking about that and how fortunate I feel not only to be licensed with a fiduciary requirement, but to actually mean it when I'm meeting with somebody. So I'm very agnostic as to when I meet with someone, what they should do. I mean, I've talked on this show plenty. I, I hope everybody has a good business and some
some real estate, rental real estate, whether it's active or passive or both, maybe some REITs, some fixed index annuities, a lifetime cash flow, stock market, fixed index universal life for maybe leverage for tax-free cash flow. Gosh, I want all of it for everybody. That would be great. But it's not really appropriate for everybody to have all those things because I was talking to one person and she was a, a widow and, and she had vir- virtually no income, very little survivor's social security. And she lived on five acres, had a reverse mortgage hmm. and was living on under $1,000 a month. Wow. And But she got this surprise in the mail of over a million dollars in an inheritance hmm. from her former husband's family. And total surprise. She didn't know it was coming. And so we started talking about some of the options. And when I mentioned stock market, she just about <laughs> lost it because yeah. she, she remembered trying the stock market. She tried it in 2000, and of course it crashed. Mm-hmm. And that's just stuck with her. And she was like, we are, you know, we are not going to talk about the stock market. I have zero, in, net less than zero interest in yeah. even discussing that. And I'm like, okay, well... That kind of narrows things. What what are you interested in? She says, I just want to be secure. I may live a long time. I don't know. I just want to know I have some money coming in so I can live my simple life and, and so forth. And it's like, okay, I'm hearing you. You want guaranteed lifetime cash flow. Yes. Oh, my gosh, that would be great. All right. Well, you know, you could start your Social Security now and you don't have to wait for that. We can put most of that. Uh, well, first thing we did was we paid off her reverse mortgage because she wanted her house paid for. Mm-hmm. That was important to her. I'm like, fine, do that. She wanted to fix up her house. Great. I said, you're going to need a big cushion. She said, what, 20 grand? I said, how about 100, 150? And, and so, yeah, oh, gosh, that would be so amazing. <laughs> okay. And you got maintenance on your property. Yep. Let's put some money in a maintenance fund to, to pull on that. How are we feeling now? Oh, my gosh, this is great. I said, okay, now we're going to start working on cash flow. And that's when we started talking about fixed index annuities and REITs mm-hmm. and so forth for some of it. And the cash flow, when I told her how much it's going to be, she was just giddy. Right. She was giddy. You mean everything's going to be taken care of. I'm going to have all this comfort cushion. Mm-hmm. I can't lose money. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. On and on and on. I'm like, yeah. And she was just... It was amazing. It was such a fun meeting to have to see see that that happen. Conversely, you know, I'll meet with people. It's like don't even talk to me about something that's safe because that means you maybe don't get as high a return. I say, yeah, that's exactly what it means. Well, I don't want that. I'm fine. I want to go for it. The market's been great to me. Real estate's been great to me. My business has been great to me. I want to leverage. I want to, I want to bet on myself. I'm, I guess I'm talking about myself right now, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I might be of the complete opposite of this person. So that's where you pivot as a proper financial advisor and say, yeah, we're not talking anything safe with you. You, you want to take higher risk for potential higher return. Completely different meeting with someone like that. So the lady that you talked about there, she had virtually no risk tolerance whatsoever, whereas the other person had a lot of risk tolerance. Often do you find that people are mistaken about their real risk tolerance? Well, there's another example. I, I had an annual review with someone, and she was asking about her portfolio, and she was kind of a tweener. She uh-huh. was, well, I want to be secure, but I do want to return, but, uh, you know, she's really 50-50. And we had talked about this in prior years, and I was able to look back and say, okay, half of your money that you invested with us is in a lifetime cash flow annuity that you'll start at age 60. And that's when she wanted to retire. And I'll have, you know, payouts for, for life. And that was really important to her. And I said, that's secure. And it was well ahead of plan. I always illustrate them low and then 
they look good enough. If, if they look good enough illustrated low, then when they do better than that, people are always happy. So that's one of, one of the tricks of the trade, you know, the under, under promise and over deliver. But just, okay, yeah, I get that. It's like buying a pension. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a pension. It's perfect. I yeah. get it. But how's my other stuff doing? Well, because back when we talked about you're taking so much risk off the table, we put you in our aggressive model on the stock market because it was only 50% of your overall total. Well, as people may know, the stock market's been doing gangbusters the last mm-hmm. few years. And that account from when we started was up almost you know 100% during that time period that she was in. So she's going, okay, I, I remember now. I've got security. I've got guaranteed lifetime cash flow. And I have growth and liquidity because I had something that does two of those functions and something that does two other ones. And I say, exactly. And we're way ahead of plan. And she was so happy that we had come to that. So I guess as I was talking here, I just can't overestimate how important it is to understand the risk tolerance, how you are going to react in the future, no matter what the market does. Do you have the right amount in there or not in there accordingly? And do you have the right alternatives to the market for that part you don't want in there. And so that's where we spend most of our time. I spend very little time talking about, you know, should you buy Apple or Microsoft? I don't talk about that. I talk about these other topics uh, as it relates to the initial investment allocation. That's Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And once again, if you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, you have at least $500,000 or more to invest. Highly encourage you to check out the firm madronafinancial.com at the website there. Get in and get your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation financial consultation. Doesn't cost you anything. Could make a great difference in your financial future. If you've already got a plan, it's not a bad idea to get a second set of eyes on that, too. 844-MADRONA is the number to call. 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. And as always, you can email us at madronafinancial.com. We'll be right back with more of Growing Your Wealth right after this. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. This is Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPA and host of the Growing Your Wealth radio show. If you're close to or in retirement and don't have a tax plan, get one. It could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout your retirement. Our country has been spending like never before, and that tax bill is coming. At Madrona Financial Services, we help build tax strategies into retirement and investment plans designed for you to help keep more of your gains. Take action and call us at 844-MADRONA to schedule a retirement tax analysis today. That's 844-MADRONA. After World War II, taxes reached 90% and were as high as 70% in the 80s. Don't be caught off guard. You can retire right and on your terms. Call to schedule a virtual or in-person review. Our number is 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. If you have an annuity or are thinking about getting an annuity, do not buy one until you talk to the financial professionals at Madrona Financial Services. Call 844-MADRONA today or visit online at madronafinancial.com for your no-obligation review. You may qualify for an upfront bonus and even guaranteed income growth. While some annuities can help you protect your assets in a volatile market, having the wrong one could cost you thousands. Don't let this happen to you. So if you own an annuity or are thinking about buying 
buying one. Call the professionals at Madrona Financial Services and they'll explain the different types of annuities, tax truths, what they'll mean to your spouse and heirs, and most of all, how they should fit into your overall portfolio. Call the professionals at Madrona Financial Services now for a no-obligation financial review and find out the truths about your annuities and how they should fit into your retirement income plan. The number to call is 844-MADRONA. That number again is 844-MADRONA or visit online at madronafinancial.com. Prosper with Madrona. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about succession planning primarily for farmers. And Brian, that's interesting because the new administration has mentioned this a little bit. I kind of missed that. What did the new administration or what did President Biden say that applies to farmers and succession? Yeah, there are a lot of things on the table right now. We don't know what the taxation legislation is going to be, whether 1031 exchanges are going to survive the Biden administration's step-up in basis, whether there's going to be a wealth tax. I keep hearing that. There's there's all kinds of the capital gains rate going up. There's all kinds of, all of these are bad for business people. I just say, you know, put that one out there. There's nothing good about any of those. But I wanted to focus on farmers and other business owners in this segment because, well, one reason is I, I grew up farming. You know, I had my 13 summers out there in the, in the fields, crop farming primarily, and whether it was picking or driving forklifts or picking machines or driving tractors, pulling combines, directing personnel, um, sampling fields. I did, I did all kinds of things. I even, I remember once, <laughs> I did this one time and one time only, <laughs> I got in a little biplane and we... Uh, Wow. Uh, yeah, we were flying over pea fields, and I was supposed to take <laughs> photographs of them with my Polaroid. Polaroid. And after pulling about 20 <laughs> of those Polaroids in that cabin there with the smell oh, yeah. and the dives and the dips and the pull out and the dive dip pull out, my stomach was right in my throat. <laughs> I, mean, I, I made the guy pull out, I'd, you know, just land in a field. I, I, yeah. I had to c- compose myself. And, sure. and then he, he pulls a prank on me, of course. He, he's pulling out, and I'm like, oh, no, we're coming up on the telephone phone wires. We're not going to make it. We're not, I'm dead. I'm dead. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. He flies under them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just a mess F- with FAA me. doesn't like that. So uh, neither say, that was the last time I did that. But I, I did all kinds of farming jobs growing up. And, yeah. and now that I'm a financial advisor and, and I know how hard they work and, and how, what a difficult uh, world that is. Now, looking at some of their challenges, I really feel for them. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And it also relates to other business owners, as I mentioned. If you've never flown in an open cockpit biplane, and I've done it a number of times. You should give it a try to find out what Brian is talking about. Is It is an exhilarating experience. Brian, how is uh, farm succession different from just the succession of a regular business? Yeah, for years, decades, generations, farms have passed down to their children. That's that's what happened. You wouldn't consider any other option in the 1800s or the 1900s if farm was going to be taken over by the kids. That's just what, you know, what we'd expect. Well, nowadays, that's a little different. So now the internet and so forth, a lot of the next generation are no longer interested in farming. You know, one of the examples I have is a, there was a very large farm, thousands of acres, but the son worked for a large uh, financial firm and, and so he wasn't going to go back to farming and mm-hmm. so forth. And I, I see that happening a lot. So 
succession planning related to that is huge. But there's been all kinds of other issues. Uh, Mother Nature at the top of the list. You know, my job, your job, Jeff, it's, you know, the only Mother Nature things is when we maybe can't get to work because it's too much snow on the ground. Yeah, right. But uh, you look close enough by that wouldn't even keep you either. (laughs) No, I just walk through the snow. Yeah, you'd walk through the snow. But if you're a farmer, you know, I I got introduced to to drought one year. Uh, We didn't have any rain, so it ruined a pea vining crop. The next year it rained a lot. I thought, oh, we're in good shape. And then that's when I learned about root rot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, you poor poor farmers can't win. It's either too wet or too dry. Either way is is not good. So, you know, Mother Nature, trade wars. Trade wars don't affect you and I, Jeff, specifically, but they do farmers. Commodity prices from uh, global competition, lack of access to labor. Back in the day, all the kids worked. I worked when I was nine. Now, uh, (laughs) if I was 15, I couldn't work on a farm. Global, yeah, I mentioned global competition and lower costs, uh, lack of resources to compete on a corporate scale due to technology advancements uh, that that not everybody can afford. And as I mentioned, the family, next generation choosing a different career path. All of these are somewhat unique to farmers as challenges as they think about their succession plan. And a lot of people, I think, forget, Brian, that farming is a business. This is how uh, they make money. And it is a business nonetheless, just, you know, like any other business. It's not as simple, though, it sounds like, as if, you know, I've got the family farm and I'm going to continue to live on the family farm in the house here and just my son is going to, you know, go out and run it. It's not that simple, it sounds like. No, in fact, most farms in the United States don't make money. Now, a lot of them were never intended to. They're more kind of hobbies, right? hobby farms and that kind of thing. But your serious farmers, it's difficult to make profit. And even when you do, you might make profit five years in a row, and then you have that act of God or something that really sets you back, and there's your five years of profits down the down the hole to cover that one bad year. So they've always struggled with that from the beginning of time. Asset-heavy type of thing, you can't farm unless you have literally millions of dollars worth of assets. Mm-hmm. Probably can't really have the scale to have a successful farm. There's exceptions to this, of course. You could have a winery, you know, with with limited acreage or something. But I'm talking about your your typical uh, wide open farm. You need lots of acres. It's worth a lot of money on paper, but you can't just cash that in. You know, it's doesn't matter. It's just the basis that you need to even be a player in the in the farming world. So any of these taxes related to uh, wealth tax, I, you know, hopefully they'll eliminate that from from farmers. But we start start talking about generational transfer. You want to you want to pass at least the assets down to your kids or even a farm down to your kids. Now, if you take away step-up and basis, you take away 1031 exchanges, mm-hmm. you take away, you add the capital gains tax, because you have assets, the government's going to want that. And so right now, there's a lot of legislature out there, proposed legislature, that is being talked about that will dramatically impact the ability for anybody to pass on their business. Most businesses aren't passed down to kids, but farms are. So that's why uh, I think it's really critical we talk about this. Is it imminent that the step-up and basis is going to go away? I know President Biden has talked about that. It is not a done deal just yet, but should we be planning on that going away anyway? Well, yeah, that one, that one's a tough call. I'm, I have more of an opinion on 1031s. I think 1031 exchanges where you can sell your farmland, you know, because the average baby boomer is, what, 67 years old. So mm-hmm. let's just say that they own most of the 
businesses we're talking about right now, and they're in their late 60s on average, and many of them in their 70s, and they're looking for a succession plan. So they might want to sell off acreage and move it into something else that they don't have to, to farm or they don't, they don't have to work at because they want to retire. And so I do see the some softening on the stance on 1031 exchanges where they don't want to do away with it necessarily, but they want to greatly limit it. And again, it would affect farmers because all of their asset is tied up in real estate. And if that real estate is taxed at 43.6% as is proposed, that's devastating. That's half the value that goes to the government, mm-hmm. essentially, and the other half goes to you at retirement. And that that's really going to cut down on the ability for someone to retire or generate or pass it along to the next generation. So I know that regular listeners have heard us in the past talk about the 1031 exchange, and it is an exchange of like-kind properties. Can you explain a little bit more about how the 1031 exchange works and why it could be so beneficial to keep that around? Yeah, the 1031 exchange, like-kind, is very broad. So the farmer might say, well, I've got 1,000 acres. I'm going to sell off this 200-acre piece, and let's say they get a million dollars for it. They could currently, under the current law, sell it and buy replacement real estate, and it can be passive or active. When I say passive, it could be a Delaware statutory trust, and someone else is managing that, and they get their monthly rent checks from that, and life is good. They don't pay any tax. They got rent checks. This is good. When they pass away someday, all of the tax that would have been paid is eliminated permanently due to the step-up in basis. But if they take these tools away from us, now basically anytime someone thinks about retiring and transacting, uh, they're going to lose roughly half the value of their generation, multi-generational assets to the government. That's going to create a lot of people saying, you know what, I just don't get to ever retire. I'm never going to retire. I don't want to pay that tax. Mm-hmm. So people that are in their 70s or 80s, oh, too bad, so sad, you get to work till the day you die. <laughs> and, you know, it's really, it's a shame because farmers work hard their yeah. whole life. And now to put the onus on them to pay for all the things that, that uh, are being proposed and say, we need your we need your land. We need half of it. Give it to us. We know you're getting old. We know you want to sell. We don't care. We need half of it. We got, we got bills. And the farmer's going, uh, I got bills. I'm yeah. old. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? So, yeah, we have this, this, this fight that, that's coming up here. It's going to be a battle as to which of these rules survive. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going to survive and if they get changed, how long they're going to be changed for, because I don't know who, who's going to be the next administration. But if they get too many of these things, I, I have an idea who's going to be the next generation if there's yeah. too many taxes yeah. imposed on everybody. I agree with you completely, on. On that 1031 exchange, if that goes away, that's going to mean uh, certainly a little bit of a change in strategy for Delaware Statutory Trust. They do go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah. A Delaware Statutory Trust requires 1031 exchange be enacted. So that would go away mm-hmm. if if 1031s went away. The other thing that would go away is most young people's opportunity to buy a lot of real estate because, as I mentioned, my clients, they're older and they own the businesses, they own the real estate. If you tell them you're going to have to pay half it in tax, 
They're going to say, heck with that. I ain't selling. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens when there's nothing being listed for sale? What happens to prices or availability or you're a young person looking to buy a, a rental house or, or real estate or whatever? If there's nothing listed, well, prices go through the moon. Yeah, they do. And uh, then there's bidding wars. And we're seeing that now. Imagine if they change the law to even reduce the inventory even more under these proposals. I mean, dramatically more. I'm not talking a little bit more. 40% of all rentals, rental houses in the United States or, or houses in the United States are rentals, yeah. mostly owned by older people who will elect not to sell them under this. So good luck trying to find your starter home. Better enjoy that apartment because these tax proposals will make it so you can't afford to buy a house. You, you're going to live in an apartment. So now you're seeing how much of an effect that these tax proposals, if they go through, can have, whether it's a, a farmer just wanting to retire or, or leave money to the next generation or leave the farm to the next generation. They wouldn't be able to. People want to buy their first house, are going to have to live in apartments the rest of their, their life because they'll yeah. never be able to afford their, their entry-level house unless mm-hmm. they move way out in the Thule's. I mean, just it's, the social engineering is kind of backwards on, on all of this when there's a grab for taxes. Yeah, I was reading the other day about rental real estate being really, really hot. So many people needing to live in apartments just because you said, I mean, housing has become more and more unavailable or it's becoming more unaffordable. And that's the reason why we're seeing so many apartments spring up in and around Seattle. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans of Adrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs, by the way. If you're looking to hire a financial advisor, you have at least $500,000 or more. You would like to kick the tires here at Madrona Financial, see if it's a good fit for you. We invite you to call 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, to get your complimentary no-cost financial plan. 844-MADRONA. You can also request it online at madronafinancial.com. Time for a break. We'll be right back with more of Growing Your Wealth after this. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. 2020 has come to an end, and the passing of another year means we get to start fresh and reevaluate our goals. As we enter into 2021, take a moment to reflect back on what mattered most in the past year. It could have been your health, your friends, and most likely, your family. Let the start to 2021 be a call to action to ensure that you have a solid estate and legacy plan in place for your family. Call 844-MADRONA to get more information on creating a plan to fit your loved one's needs. At Madrona Financial Services, they believe in creating comprehensive written plans designed to help ensure you never outlive your money and that your plan also reflects the wishes you have for your family. And to make it easy, Madrona Financial Services offers complimentary virtual no-obligation meetings where they'll take the time to discuss your unique goals and financial situation. Leave this past year behind and enter a new one with the confidence that your loved one's future is secure. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. The word volatile is rarely used when describing something desirable. It's usually not associated with pleasant outcomes and doesn't sound very appealing unless you're describing a roller coaster or some other thrill ride. And when it comes to your retirement plan, volatile is the last word you want to hear when talking about your nest egg. At Madrona Financial Services, we like to focus on other words when it comes to retirement planning. Words like predictability, opportunity, and security. And 
while we may live in volatile times, there are strategies that you could be using right now to lessen or even possibly eliminate its impact on your portfolio. If you're concerned about your exposure to market volatility, call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA to schedule your complimentary review. We'll perform a risk analysis of your current portfolio and then discuss the ways we can help you achieve your retirement goals without taking unnecessary chances with your nest egg. Take back control of your retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA or visit us at madronafinancial.com. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona bundle of services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about opportunity zones. And Brian, in past years, we talked about opportunity zones. We haven't talked about them for a little while, but I want to talk about them again a little bit here and refresh people's memories. First of all, I understand that they were part of the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Yeah, they were part of that. And basically, there were a whole bunch of zones created, picked by governors of states. They had to have certain figures as far as people below a poverty line and that kind of thing, income, whatever. But they were based upon census data from 2010. And so now we're, you know, in 2020 and and beyond here, we're saying, well, okay, a lot of these opportunity zones might be in areas that recovered or gentrified or something else. But yeah, there were 8,700 based upon data available in 2010. That's right. And as you said, a lot of things have changed since then. What was maybe an underdeveloped area in 2010 could be different by 2017 when this act was created and then certainly here by 2020. So the opportunity zones could be located in areas that have been up and coming, but there are a lot of areas that are not up and coming that are covered by opportunity zones. And as you said, there are OZs in all 50 states and even in the territory of Puerto Rico. So what constitutes an opportunity zone? What are these opportunities? Yeah, the zones, I would definitely say that a vast majority of them will not have any investment relative to an opportunity zone offering. Because you think about it, the investment companies that are going to do something there, whether it's a business or more likely some kind of real estate investment, they're not going to probably go to, I I hate to even pick an area, but let's say North Dakota where the oil industry dried up in a particular area. They're not going to say, well, here's a great place to put a 300-unit Class A apartment complex 50 miles south of Bismarck or whatever. They're not going to do that. They're going to say, well, let's go to where we think the growth is going to be. You know, we see Nashville growing or Austin or, oh, what the Pearl District of Portland's an opportunity zone. Well, maybe not Portland anymore. Right. I used to use that example. I'm going to take that one out of my repertoire. (laughs) They're not going to want to go to Portland anymore. They're not going to want to go to Seattle anymore, not like they did six months ago. And so, you know, so they're going to go to areas that were already on their way on the upswing because they want to have a good return on investment to their their investors. They're not going to go and just be 100% altruistic and say, I'm going to 
pick the worst spots in the United States and I'm going to build really nice stuff there. They're just, that's not what's happening. So, yeah, there's 8,700 zones, but only a handful of them actually have opportunity zone funds with activity within them. Okay, so the opportunity zone, again, these are underdeveloped areas in all 50 states, including Puerto Rico, that could use a little bit of help. And as we said, some of those have already begun to be on the upswing. So as an investor, you do have the opportunity to invest in opportunity zones that are already on the upswing. And again, the the whole idea, I understand, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, it really involves both of those aspects. It, you know, creates some jobs uh, for areas that didn't have jobs, but there are also some tax cuts. And as an investor, why would you be interested in investing in an opportunity zone? What are the benefits? Yeah, it's, it's not everybody that's going to be able to do this because the only money you can actually invest into an opportunity zone, and this is a very critical piece, is capital gains from the sale of something within the last 180 days. So if mm-hmm. you say, well, I got 100 grand in the bank, I think I'll put Put it in there. Nope, you can't invest that in an opportunity zone. Well, I, I had a gain uh, last year. Can I put that money in? No, more than 180 days ago. And so there's only, you again, you can only put capital gains. So you have to have sold something in the last six months to even consider putting money into an opportunity zone. And so what is it that I could have sold? Well, you could have sold real estate, but we're going to talk about real estate in a minute and why a DST might likely or generally would be a better alternative. You could have sold stock, highly appreciated stock. Okay, well, that possibility, maybe you have Amazon, Microsoft, something like that, or just a long-term hold stock. Uh, Mutual funds or ETFs uh, could be your business. It can even be jewelry. It could be appreciated artwork. It could be appreciated collectible cars. Uh, yes, there are some that actually go up in value, Jeff. Right. <laughs> so we've talked about on the show before. Yeah, we've talked but, about that uh, before. Yeah, but uh, it, it has to be a capital gain. And so any of those could be eligible for an opportunity zone, just the gain part, for an opportunity zone investment. Okay, so some people may say, okay, this is socially conscious investing. I'm going to be investing in these areas and helping them, you know, build these uh, buildings and, you know, Know, create these businesses and give potential entrepreneurs an opportunity to build a business there and help them with that. But as an investor, I mean, goodwill is great. We all want to do that. But what would be the benefits for me to invest in an opportunity zone? So one of the benefits is that, and, and it can, this, can, this is a two-edged sword here, that you don't have to pay your capital gains on whatever you put in at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But you do have to pay that capital gains in six or seven years. So I'm not sure that's a good thing. In fact, I would contend that's probably a bad thing because I think eventually capital gains rates could go up. And so if they go up, you just volunteered, even though you got the time value of money for six or seven years, you just volunteered uh, higher income taxes on that gain of whatever it is you sold. Now, the advantage to it is, though, that you now placed money into this investment And over time, let's say it goes up in value, you will never pay income tax on the sale of that investment. It's like it was in a Roth all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So even though you you sell something, you have a gain, you're going to pay the tax on that in the relatively near future. But whatever your new investment is into this opportunity zone investment, whatever it goes up in value over your lifetime, you don't pay income tax on it. You get that one tax free. So that's the benefit to the opportunity zone. Now, people 
people listening to this say, you know, this Opportunity Zone sounds interesting. I want to take a little bit further look at this. I think it's important to know that you cannot invest directly into a business in an Opportunity Zone. There is a middle person or a middle organization, and that is a qualified Opportunity Fund, which in turn invests into the Opportunity Zone. So what is a qualified Opportunity Fund? And I imagine there are a lot of them out there, right? Well, there are a number of them out there, not as many as you might think, because, again, not a lot of people at the end of the analysis go, yeah, that's perfect for me. I want to still pay the tax on my gains, but I want to tie up my money. you got to tie up your money for at least 10 years. Right, that's, right. That's one of the rubs here. And they're like, oh, you mean I sold my whatever it was, a business for $2 million, and, and I want to put a million of it into an opportunity zone? I can't touch that million for at least 10 years? That's right. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's not what I really want. And so, you know, and you have to love the investment. And so the opportunity fund that's created is not a check the box thing to set up an opportunity zone fund. You got to do a massive prospectus and and have all this, these hoops and stuff. You know, I wouldn't even attempt one. I'm a pretty smart guy. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. try to create an opportunity zone fund because they're so complex, the, the rules around them, that it would be just kind of prohibitively expensive. Now, does does it really help the communities? Well, perhaps. I mean, one example would be, let's say I wanted to build a self-storage in Everett. I would not build it across the street in the building we're at uh, on Bond Street there. Right. I would build it four blocks up because I Bond Street is not in an opportunity zone, but four blocks away is an opportunity zone. So I might try and find a lot up there to build it on instead of the lot that I'm on because I'd be more likely to attract an investor in something that could potentially be be tax-free down the road instead of if we built it on Bond Street, they're going to have taxable income if it appreciates over time when it's eventually sold. Well, as they say in real estate, location, 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 very important, and especially when it comes to an opportunity zone investment. You were talking about the Qualified Opportunity Fund, and I think you were alluding to the fact that you could set up your own Qualified Opportunity Fund, and when these uh, opportunity zones first came out, I mean, the paperwork to do it was about one page. Now, it's just it. You know, it's pages and pages of information. So Qualified Opportunity Fund, you have to invest in that before you can invest in an Opportunity Zone. And when you really look at some of these funds that are already existing out there, some of these people are just collecting money and then deciding what to do with it once they get that money. If someone is interested in a Qualified Opportunity Zone investment, do you know how well these have done? Have they really, really accomplished what we had hoped that they would have accomplished when this whole thing began? Well, you're never really going to know how, how they've done because they're long, long-term investments and it was just created so that we don't have any track history. There is no full cycle. They're probably akin to more of a, a REIT kind of investment because most of them are invested in real estate. And so I, I did want to bring up the, the concept of, well, okay, I'm selling my real estate. Why wouldn't I just put that into an opportunity zone? Well, opportunity zones are a long-term hold and DSTs, Delaware Statutory Trusts, are are also a long-term hold. The difference between them is if you have, let's say you paid $100,000 for a rental house and you sell it for a million one and you got a million dollar gain. Well, you can put that million dollars into the opportunity zone and let's say seven years from now or six years from now, whatever it is, that the capital gains got stripped away and our ordinary income tax rate is 40%. Well, in six years, you're going to have to write a check for $400,000 and you got your money tied up in an opportunity zone and you can't touch it for 
years to come because then it would be taxable and you don't get your tax break. Conversely, had you done that in a DST, the million the million one into a DST, then you would never pay the income tax. If you kept doing DSTs, you get a step up in basis under the current law. So it's it's a, a function of trying to eliminate the, the income tax instead of volunteering it at a higher rate in six years. Now, one of the advantages of an opportunity zone, let's flip that example around. You sell it for a million one, but your cost basis is 500000 Well, you could put the $600,000 gain into the opportunity zone and keep the $500,000 principal and not pay tax on that currently, but you're still going to pay the tax in the future. A DST, you got to really pretty much reinvest the entire amount to defer the tax and potentially eliminate it with a step-up in basis. So I probably lost half my audience here, but uh, <laughs> it is complicated. And that's yeah. why we have to go through all the implications of, of all of this together. You probably don't have any other advisor that's that you can go to in the Puget Sound that's going to say, oh yeah, I know the ins and outs of OZs and DSTs and how they you know relate to your income taxes and future tax rates and all that stuff. We can have that conversation with you. So that's kind of more of the point here. Once again, if you have questions about OZs or Delaware Statutory Trusts or really anything about your finances and you want that complimentary financial plan, the number to call 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. You can also request your plan online by going to our website, madronafinancial.com and emailing us from there. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. And now here's Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial Services. Here's Brian Evans. Today I want to talk about something called marginal tax brackets. I talk about it a lot on my show and my messages, but fail to consider a lot of people don't understand exactly what it is. So I wanted to cover that. I think it's important to understand it. So let's say I'm going to round off for simplicity, but let's say that you're a married couple and you earn $104,000 a year. What's your tax? Well, the first 24000 or so of that is tax-free probably because of the standard deduction. You get that automatically and you pay no tax on that. The next 20000 or so is taxed at the 10% bracket. So now we got 24 and 10 from 104. We're, we're down to $60,000. So what is that taxed at? Well, that 60000 is taxed at 12%. So still pretty decent bracket. But let's say that you get a surprise and you make another $10,000 that year and you go, oh no, I was at the top of the 12% bracket and that $10,000 pushed me into the 22% bracket. So that's going to cost me more than I even made on the 10000 No, that's not true. The way marginal tax brackets work is only the amount in the upper tax bracket gets taxed at that bracket. So just because you go in into a new bracket by 10000 only 10000 would be taxed at that bracket. If you went into it for $1, only $1 would be taxed at that bracket. So with marginal tax brackets, a lot of people don't understand it doesn't taint the rest of your earnings. It just taints those earnings above the amount that puts you into that bracket in the first place. Do you have a question about real estate investing, retirement planning, or taxes? Get your questions answered by the financial professionals at Madrona Financial Services. Brian Evans and his team of advisors and CPAs are armed with the knowledge you need to take control of your financial future. Call them today at 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about the 10 pieces of retirement planning advice retirees wish they had known sooner. Right, Brian. And I think the next one is uh, one of the most super important ones, and that is to make financial moves that protect money from taxes. Yeah. And that doesn't mean not paying taxes. I mean, we want to make enough money to where we're forced, no matter what we do, to pay some tax. And we just don't want to pay it at the highest rates. But you can do things now, early, if you're a younger person. For instance, in your 401k plan, why don't you consider putting it into the Roth IRA or the Roth 401k options at the regular one. Yeah, you don't get the deduction now, but you're putting that money in. It's going to compound throughout your life and be tax-free someday. The rate of return will be much higher, more likely than not, on, on that than anything else. Another thing you, you should consider if you're somewhat younger, even if you're in your early 50s, is consider a fixed index universal life policy so you can pull retirement dollars out monthly and they'll be permanently income tax free. So there are things you can do, uh, not necessarily saving on taxes today, but planning to save for taxes in the future. That's right. And we've talked about this before. Is when you pay taxes as important as what you pay in taxes? Yeah, I mean, certainly when you pay matters because of the time value of money, as I mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I'd had more money younger in life and invested that, just imagine how, how much different uh, things could be now. There's all the, uh, other ways to protect money. If, if you aren't younger, and but you have a taxable estate or something, you might start doing gifting strategies, charitable gifting strategies, generational uh, trusts, uh, setting up irrevocable life insurance trusts uh, to pass on money, uh, income and estate tax-free the next generation using gifting and and you might set up a family limited partnership where you maintain control but are gifting assets with uh, particular discounts for non-marketability and and so forth so i could talk about this for a full show but (laughs) there's a lot of things you can do to protect money not only in your lifetime but generationally from taxes but it's not easy, you got, you, and you got to. It's not easy to find somebody to do it. I mean, mm-hmm. frankly, uh, that understands the the mix between the tax law that we're talking about and the actual product knowledge to say whether it's a good idea or not for you. And that's kind of where Madrona Financial is going to shine. As people who listen to my show know that they're probably it's very rare to find another advisor that can coordinate the income tax opportunities with the opportunities of the actual product knowledge and whether it's right or wrong for that client. Yeah, the partnership between Madrona Financial and Bauer Evans CPA is very, very important in that you can talk about taxes. Brian, for those people who don't listen to the show every week, maybe have just uh, caught us here past shows, you've talked about the power of zero, I guess it is, and that is paying zero in taxes. That's not something that really you subscribe to, is it? No, no, it's not. If I paid zero in taxes, it means I really don't make any money. And Jeff, we, it's been nice knowing you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have any money to hire people. Exactly. And yeah. so I have to make a lot of money because I spend a lot of money. You sure. know, I, my payroll is well over a quarter million dollars a month. Yeah, and, uh, shoot. Uh, so, yeah, I've got, I expect to pay a lot of tax. And I do pay a lot of tax. Anybody listening that thinks, well, people that make a lot of money don't pay tax. Not, Baloney. Not true. <laughs> they pay not- most. To the tax. It's right. just not true. So, But there are things that you can do to uh, tweak all of that to make it a better outcome. Next one, Brian, on the list here is take advantage of employer 401k matching funds. I'm surprised at the number of people that this is available to who do not take advantage of the 401k. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't, and it's free money. It's, it's free money. 50% return on investment in a day, uh, often. Uh, pretty, I, I pretty can't good. do that. <laughs> I, I'd say, don't, don't give your money to me. I can't give you 50 
50% in a day. Uh, so, but you can with your employer often with your 401k, even if it's a 25% match. Right. Uh, but I have a lot of people push back. They, they, they like, to, you know, going out to the bar to order uh, an expensive cocktail instead of staying home and putting money in their 401k sure. instead. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever they want to do with their money. And some people can't. I get that. But if you can, and, and generally you, you can cut something out, invest in yourself and, and take the free money. Yeah, there's free money on the table there. Do not ignore it. Next one is don't be in a rush to take Social Security. I'm so surprised, Brian, that a lot of surveys that I have read said that most people unbelievably take it the first moment that is available to them, and that's age 62. Yeah, a lot of people do that, and sometimes that's appropriate, but if you have a married couple, often it's better to wait, especially if the higher income has a lower life expectancy than the surviving spouse would have, then it can be imperative to provide for that surviving spouse the highest amount possible and waiting till age 70. So that's just an analysis. Yeah, there's not a one-size-fit-all for that answer, but that's an analysis that's part of our financial plan. And a lot of people think, well, if I wait until age 70, I'm going to get more. But in reality, it's not more, is it? Well, it's it's uh, you're going to get more monthly, but you gave up, up right. to eight years of checks. The mm-hmm. crossover point on every analysis I've ever done is roughly age 79. Mm-hmm. So you'll have more money if you live past that age overall through Social Security. <laughs> but sometimes that doesn't matter. Great, I'll have more money. What am I supposed to eat in my 60s? <laughs> and I don't have any income. So, okay, yeah, take your Social Security then if you need it to live on. But if it's just excess money, you might consider waiting if you're married. And, and, and I talked about that longevity uh, issue. So 62, the earliest age that you can take it. There are some restrictions. This year, you're allowed to make $18,960 before you have to give some of it back. So there's a cap on what you can make. That's earned income, though. It doesn't mean income coming from investments. Then you have your full retirement age, which is between 66 and 67. And then the latest is age 70. You can take it after that, but you won't make any more money. So I think it's a good idea to take a closer look at this Social Security. And some people say, well, I'm going to take it at 62 because it's not going to be there for me. But I think most people, if they're mature people, 50s, 60s, it's going to be there, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be there. Uh, I don't know what our debt's going to be, but right. <laughs> it's going to be very high. And, and as we, we've proven, we can pay for anything as, as long as we uh, give the bill to the next generation. <laughs> right. So uh, we're, we're getting really good at that. So they'll, they'll just uh, increase ages and decrease the cost of living adjustment. They'll, they'll make some adjustments to Social Security. You know, my kids will be able to retire when they're 75, maybe. I don't know. But they'll figure out some way to balance it by pushing off when you can start at some point. It's not going to be 62 forever. Yeah, I've got a 36-year-old son, and I said, don't count on it, but it's just not going to be there. Or it may be there, but it won't be anything like it is today. So uh, plan ahead for Social Security. Again, 62, full retirement age or age 70. It's up to you but it's a good idea to get a Social Security optimization plan because there are literally hundreds of different ways, computations that you can take Social Security. You've got to find the right one for you. Next one is plan ahead for the fun you want to have in retirement, Brian. And retirement means different things to different people, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. And uh, one of the discussions I have the most anymore is uh, trying to get people to spend money because they've spent a lifetime saving it and they've got millions of dollars in their Mm -hmm. retirement accounts and they're going, I don't know how to spend money. Everything's paid for and uh, I live a simple life. I'm like, okay, well, that is very common, and and I'm not going to throw any judgment at that. That's great. But, you know, and a lot of them do lament, I wish I'd been thinking about this and, and maybe set myself up to have some hobbies or interests or the ability to spend money on things or, you know, whatever it is, and, and chase my dreams when I was physically able to. Right now, 
I'm not feeling like I can and so forth. So if there's things on your bucket list, pull that bucket list out, take a look at it and see if there's anything you can do today to start moving towards some of those bucket list items. If you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, if you've already got one, that's fine. Let the team here at Bajona Financial Services take a second look at your financial plan. There's no cost for this and there is no obligation whatsoever. To get your financial plan, call 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. You can also request it online at madronafinancial.com. Brian, out of time for this week. want to thank everybody for listening to us. We certainly do appreciate you being with us and making us part of your weekend. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out there, have a great weekend. Won't you enjoy this beautiful part of the country we live in? We'll see you next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. When you need something important done around the house, you call a professional. Why is it when it comes to retirement investments, most people don't know what theirs is built on, or even if it's right for them? Madrona Financial Services is made of a team of professionals that will create a retirement plan as individual as you are and make sure your financial foundation is clear to you every step of the way. Call them today at 844-MADRONA for a no-obligation retirement readiness review. They'll learn about what you want most out of retirement, plus you'll get an investment and retirement analysis and a tax analysis. You've worked hard to earn it and save it. Take the time to have the right professionals help you keep it and grow it. Find a better way at Madrona Financial Services and bring everything together. Call Madrona Financial Services today for your free retirement readiness review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. Don't let the health crisis that began in 2020 become a wealth crisis for you in your retirement. Times like these require a plan and people you can trust by your side. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services has been helping retirees navigate through changing times for more than 30 years. If you're not 100% certain that your current plan is equipped to handle times like these, call Madrona Financial Services right now and Brian will meet with you personally. The number is 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA. But spaces are limited, so call now. The pandemic could likely affect your taxes, Social Security, your investments, your health care, and a lot more. So now isn't the time for guesswork. Call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA. A sound strategy and a team by your side could add hundreds of thousands of dollars or more over your retirement. Call 844-MADRONA right now. That's 844-MADRONA. Or visit online at madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A-Financial.com.